0: This is your girl Lulu G. You are listening to Crossover Church ATL, the church expression of City Takers. I want to welcome you to week three of our series, Catfish. So we've been talking about, we've been going through a series called Catfish. Anybody ever seen the TV show? Right. We we we, we talked about um, the last few weeks. You know, uh, what does it mean? Or who are who are who who am I? Who am I? And in in 2019, we we know that. Unfortunately, with social media, right, you could actually be anybody you want to be. You could just put it on the screen, right? You could actually make yourself look different. There's so many different filters. Uh, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I look good on that Snapchat filters. But in real life, like, I'm, I look a lot different. And so the reality is we can actually put up these fronts. We could put up these fake, what we call profiles, right? And we could write in whatever we want to be. And actually, in 2019, unfortunately, a lot of people actually believe whatever it is that's on the screen, Right? They don't get to know the real. Right? Even Facebook, they did something that changed the game. They said they put this little button called friend requests. Friend request. You ever requested a friend? And all of a sudden, now we started to believe in this whole generation that actually we could be friends with someone who we've never met right? We could actually be friends with them. You could actually date somebody now in 2019 that you've never actually met in real life. And you could have these intimate encounters with people like online that you've never even met into, you know, in, in real life. And a lot of these things are like catfish. And let me explain if this is your first time here. Catfish is actually a front saying that you're somebody that you're really not. A lot of times, Right, it's actually somebody totally different. They might say they're a model, they're this beautiful guy who travels the world and makes tons of money. When realistically, you know, there's there, there's some female living in I don't know where, Louisiana or somewhere Alabama, like you know, that works at McDonald's. And again, there's nothing wrong with somebody you know living in Louisiana working at McDonald's, but you just gotta call yourself. You gotta tell the truth, basically tell the truth. And so we talked about like. What does it look like in 2019? You know, even even in the context of following Jesus as a Christian, a lot of times we put on these facades and we put on these fronts and the Lord's trying to strip all that stuff away and just just come with the real, you know what I mean? Because God already knows our heart. God knows what we're dealing with. God knows who we are. But a lot of times we want to put on a front because we want to look a certain way to other people and we want other people to like us so much that we want to cover up our insecurities, cover up our pain, cover up our struggles, cover cover up our sin with a lot of stuff so that people would accept us and people would like us. So this week we're jumping into who are we and I want to talk about like who are we corporately, who are we as the church, right? Who are we as the body of Christ? And I, I believe that we still deal with this thing called catfish, even as the church as a whole, as this family. I want to read the scripture, First Peter 2, 9. It says this, you are a chosen generation. Say chosen generation. Chosen generation. I mean, God chose us. This generation, right? In 2019, look around the room, we got a bunch of different people, a bunch of different ages, right? Some of us are single, some of us are married, some of us have kids, some of us don't. But the Bible says we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Say royal priesthood. Oh, I like the name royal. I like that, right? It means like we're actually somebody in the kingdom, right? We're, we're royalty, right? And, and one thing about royalty is different than, you know, in the United States, we actually vote for presidents, Right, We actually got an election coming up, I think, next year. Right, We vote somebody in. But one thing about royalty, royalty is, is born into royalty. It's through the bloodline. Does that make sense? That you become king. And so the Bible says that we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Say holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many people in here have been called out of darkness? Right, well you know what that life is like and thank God for his grace and his mercy that he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, right? And so today, I believe that the church as a whole, all right, and this isn't a, this thing on, on one specific church. The church as a whole has a case of mistaken identity, right, or, or, or catfish, we could call it, right? This nation, the United States of America, calls itself a Christian nation, right? Even though, like, you, you look at the coins. I used to have a, anybody got a penny? Well, you know what a penny looks like. It says, in God we trust on it, right? And there's a battle right now happening nationally where people want to remove even that, Right? Do y'all remember growing up, putting your hand on your chest and saying the Pledge of Allegiance, Pledge of Allegiance to, to the flag of the United States of America? And do you know that they took out In God We Trust? They took that out already? Do you know that we, you can't pray? Even when I was young, you couldn't pray in schools. You can't pray in schools. You can't do nothing. So we stripped out the gospel. They took all the Ten Commandments literally a few years ago out of all the, the, the you know, the court systems and any of the, the national, you know, whatever. Things that are, yeah, the government buildings, they took all that stuff out. They took, I mean, there's a war against the gospel. There's a war against it. As an athlete, right, Uh, you look at like a Tim Tebow or something who stands up for righteousness, right? He's ridiculed. A lot of times he's ridiculed a lot of times in national news but let an athlete come out you know saying that he's homosexual or he's gay all of a sudden he's praised and he gets national attention world attention that you know what I mean that all of a sudden like oh he's a hero and someone who stands up for righteousness and the things of the Lord they're actually cut down and persecuted and made fun of yet we call this you know what I mean a a, a holy nation I read this or we call this a Christian nation. I read this the other day that there was an eight-year-old dyslexic girl, right, reprimanded in a public school for praying before her meal. Eight-year-old dyslexic girl, it was on the news, reprimanded, right, and threatened expulsion for praying before she ate her lunch. It bothered a staff member so much Listen, it didn't come from the children. The children didn't care. A staff member cared so much that she took it all the way up. She took it outside of the school, into the school board, right? And they were trying to expel the girl, eight years old, for praying before she ate. So the church has is, is gotten to the point where we actually lack power. We lack, yeah, we're silent. We lack um, the boldness to stand up and say something because we're so worried about persecution. And so what, what happens is we start, to, we start to form this kind of catfish mentality. Yeah, we're this, but realistically behind the scenes, we don't want to cause any problems. You know what I mean? And so the church today in 2019, I believe that we're walking in this case of, of misidentity, of, of catfish syndrome, whatever we want to call it, right? And the world identifies the church as a place of judgment, Right, Like we do a lot of stuff outside of the church with city takers, tons of stuff. And a lot of times when we say, hey, you know, when they find out we're, like, we're Christians or we're saying, hey, find a good church, 99% of the answers, Tammy will tell you. You know what they tell us? Ah, man, we're not trying to go to church. And because, because this is the number one reason. Because, and, and you hear all the stories of why. Because when I walk in the church, they make me sit in the back row. Or when I walk in the church, nobody says hi to me. Right, Nobody cares that I'm there. Or when I walk into church, they make me take my hat off my head. Or when I walk into church, they look at what I'm wearing and all of a sudden they're judging me without even saying a word. Like I hear all of this stuff, right? It's a place of judgment rather than a place of just love and accepting people for who they are, right? Here's the deal we can't change anybody. Like, we can't, we can't force somebody to be different. We can love them. The Bible says love your neighbor, right? We can love them and let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do, which is convict and change hearts and minds. And when we give people the truth, right, the truth is what's going to set them free. Scott ain't going to set them free, but the truth will. The truth is Jesus. Amen? The world identifies the church as a place of condemnation. I'll never forget this. And I got booked to uh, to to preach the gospel at this one church, um, and it was it was New Year's Eve. And enlightenment, if you guys know enlightenment, he was rapping, and I was preaching. And I walk into the church, and literally, as soon as I walked through the door of church, a lady snatched the hat off my head and stuffed it in my chest. She said, "This is the house of God," and I was there to preach. And listen, I felt so little, belittled. I felt condemned because of who I was, that I actually wanted to leave. And I thought to myself, I wonder how someone who doesn't know Jesus would feel if that happened to them. And I was, I was, I was hurt, I, you know, in my heart, I was like, oh my God, I'm hurt. And finally, you know, I ended up going to talk to the pastor about it, the pastor of the, of the church. He was like, no, 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 that's cool. You can put your head on, I'm sorry that happened. He apologized. But the reality is that it happens all the time. It happens all the time. People are judging people. People are condemning people. Right in their sin, and it's some of it ain't even sin, like wearing a hat. It's not sin, right? Now, if you come, if you came here butt naked, that might be a little different. Be like, hey, go go back there and put some clothes on. We can say that a crossover. Y'all cool out a little bit, you know what I mean? We can say that. The world looks at us as a place. Right, that, that they're not worthy to enter. So a lot of times they look at churches, right, and, and, and we're like, man, I don't want to go in there. Like we do a breakdance competition here every November. It's one of our biggest outreaches. We had, what, 350 people? Probably 320 of the 350 people don't go to church. Nowhere. And, you know, until we get our building one day, we actually do it right here in this building. And there's some people that actually come into the parking lot, park their car in the parking lot, and they struggle to come inside of the building because of what they're thinking the church is. Because they have this mindset of, you know what I mean, like we're something that really hopefully we're not. And so they struggle. And we hear all the stories afterwards. After we build a relationship with them, right, and we're loving them, they're like, oh, you guys are different. Well, we didn't even want to come into the building, Right, So they, they were like, man, we, we're not, and they feel something inside them like we're not worthy. We know we're messed up. And you guys might be perfect, and because we know we're messed up, we're afraid that you're going to actually judge us. Rather than them seeing this as a place of like restoration where you could be made whole, right? And you could be set free through the power of love and grace and mercy. And most, of, most people who don't know Jesus don't even understand that stuff. Right? The world also identifies the church as a place full of hypocrites. Really. You know, a place full of hypocrites. The reality is, yeah, you know, there, there are a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Right? There are a bunch of people who say they're going to do one thing and do something else. The, the reality is in the world, it's just the same. People are people. Right? Because we, the only difference is we understand we're in need of a Savior. We need Him. We all fall short the Bible says, right? So they look at us like a, like a place of hypocrites rather than a place full of people who are actually humble and just serving the Lord and knowing that we don't have all the answers, but he does. So we know the one who has the answers, but we don't have all the answers. So um, the church identifies, I got three points real quick. The church should be identified as these three things, ready, right? and this, this is just a few of them that I was praying and I came up with. The first one is this, as a missional movement. This is what this is what the church really is, right? Jesus established the earth upon this man named Peter. Y'all know Peter? I love Peter because Peter like messed up all the time. So I relate to Peter, right? Paul had it all together after his conversion. Like he was, the, Paul was the man. Some of y'all might might relate to Paul, but I relate to Peter. Peter was kind of gangster, right? Peter, when they came to take Jesus, Jesus like, they're, they're going to come take me, Peter. And he's like, no, over my dead body, they're going to take you. Right? they not touching you, Jesus. You ever been there before? Like, yo, they're not going to touch you. I got your back. That was Peter. They came to take Peter. What did Peter do? Peter reached out and grabbed the sword out of the, the, the soldier's side and swung it for his head. Yeah, the Bible says that he cut his ear off, but... Nobody swings a sword to cut somebody's ear off. Peter was trying to cut his head off. That'd be like, let's do the 2019 Scott Free version. That'd be like the FBI coming, right, and saying, you know what, Jason, you're under arrest, you need to come with me. And then, you know, somebody else or me reaching over and grabbing the gun out of the FBI's holster and pointing it at his face and squeezing the trigger and him moving just enough and it shooting his ear off. In 2019, if I did that, I'd be thrown in prison with a life sentence, attempted murder of an FBI agent, right? I would, I would be gone, done away with. I would never be able to be in ministry again, probably, right? Even though I was defending Jesus, I'd be done. Yeah, I'd be in prison ministry. <laughs> Full-time prison ministry for Scott. But it's funny because this is the guy, the attempted murderer, this is the guy that Jesus says, Peter, upon you, I'm going to build my church. And then he goes on to say this, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's in Matthew 16, 18. Right, Peter, upon you. I know you messed up, Peter. I know you ain't got it all together, Peter. But upon you, I'm going to build my church and Not only am I going to build my church on you, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What does that mean? That means the gates of hell are prevailing against other things and other people. But upon you, Peter, it's not going to prevail. And so in 2019, we are actually being built, right? We are part of the church that was built upon this man named Peter. This attempted murder, the one who didn't have it all together, the one who Jesus told to stay up and pray, that he fell asleep. And he's like, what are you going to do? Jesus asked for bread. He's like, who got the bread? He's like, I'm not talking about that bread, Peter. He always, you know what I mean, messed up. So it encourages me when I read the scriptures and I see Peter. Ephesians 2, 20 through 22 says this, that we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Christ Jesus Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, right, being joined together, grows the holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also being built together, right, into a dwelling place for God's Spirit. So us together, everybody in this room, right, we we create a church, we create a, a in a sense a facility that God's Spirit inhabits. Right, you know, but in the Old Testament they used to carry this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. Right? And in the ark was the, the Ten Commandments. And God's Spirit dwelt in the ark. There's another thing in the Old Testament. It was it was where they kept the Ark, behind the veil. They called it the Holy of Holies. And only certain priests were allowed, if they were, if they were completely holy and completely clean, they were allowed to go in there once a year to to um to to put more showbread and different incense inside of there where the ark was was stored right? And one thing, if there was something, if there was some kind of thing that was off in their life, if there was a little bit of sin in their life, if they went in there, they would drop dead. They would just drop dead. Because he's so holy, right? Anything that was off in in their life, if they entered into his presence, they would drop dead. So you know what they used to do? They used to actually tie a rope around one of their ankles, and they would have a bell on on their belt. They would have a bell. So if the the priest went in, right? Or the rabbi went in, and you heard. You're like, he's dead. Seriously, if you heard if the bell went off, he's dead. And then you know what they would do? They would pull him out. Why would they pull him out? Because they couldn't go in. If they went in, they drop down dead. And so we 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 hear about like this place where the spirit of God dwells and in the fullness of his holiness that. Any little ounce of sin or anything that doesn't line up with the kingdom, right? Like, people would just drop dead. But when Jesus died and he rose from the, get, from the dead, there's a scripture that says that the veil was torn. All right? It, yeah, the, the veil ripped in half to where now me and you, everybody has access into the Holy of Holies. We have access to fellowship with the king himself, Right, so this, this movement, this is something real. Like, and, and he dwells in his church, right? We are now the, the ark, in a sense. We carry the presence of God. We are the light of the world. We are the city set upon a hill. We are the salt of the earth. It's us, but it's not me alone. That's what we need to understand. There's, there's, there's not a lot of power in me alone, but us we could change the world. We could turn the world upside down in the name of Jesus. Matthew 21 12 and 13. Jesus went to the temple, right? Basically, the church, right? This is before he died. He went to the temple of God and drove out all who bought and sold in the temple, overturned tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold those. And he said to them, It is written, My house, Right, shall be called a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. Now back back then, they used to sacrifice animals, right, for the forgiveness of sins, and the animal had to be a perfect, spotless animal, lamb, spotless lamb. That's why Jesus is called the spotless lamb. And so these people, what they were doing is they were taking advantage of people. They were taking advantage of, meaning they were they were saying, oh. You know, this guy didn't have a lot of money. Well, this is going to cost you $10,000 for your sins to be forgiven. Last year, I actually got to go to a, a place called Nepal with my friend Paul back here. Nepal with Paul. That's cool. That's a wrap. And we went to this Hindu temple. What was the name of the temple? Pashupati. Pashupati. One of the most demonic things I've ever experienced in my life. Like for real. One thing about this temple, it was almost like we were stepped back into the Old Testament. One thing about this temple is you actually go to this certain window and you can actually buy the offering that you're going to offer to the gods, and depending on your sins, you buy different things. And but one thing that we 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 seen when you see the prices, it's only a certain class of people that could afford to get their sins forgiven. And so if you were poor. You couldn't actually buy an offering to actually offer it to God. All of it is a lie anyways. But the reality is, you know, in Christ, check this out, the the poorest of the poor, you hear me, have the same access to the blood of Jesus that the richest of the rich do. And these, these men and women were in the temple taking advantage of people and their finances. So Jesus booted them out. Get out. This has nothing to do with you getting rich and you making money on my people. And it wasn't so much that they were making money. It wasn't the problem. The problem was the poor couldn't have the same forgiveness as the rich were. And so one thing about the church as a whole and this church, we're always going to look after the poor and make sure they have the same treatment that we all have in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So it's a movement. The second point I wanted to make, is the church is a place that you could have a supernatural encounter or experience with God. Like if you can't have an if somebody can't walk in this room and have a real encounter with the living God, we're doing something wrong. And listen, we know that God doesn't just move in the context of 2 o'clock on a Sunday. So wherever, the Bible says where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst. Right, so people could have a supernatural encounter with God in somebody's living room, in Starbucks, at your job, in the cubicle, in, in, in Walmart, or here, wherever it is, where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst. So the reality is that, you know, the church has to be identified with people having experiences with the Father instead of just a place that makes me feel good. I go to church because this is a place that makes me feel good. That's the lie. That's why people ain't coming. I don't want to just go there because it's like the, a social club, right, and I get to hang out with friends and family. Like, people want to come because they want to have a real encounter with the Lord. They need to have a real encounter with the Lord. I, I, I say this in our, in our leadership meetings. The church in 2019, the, the, the catfish, the lie is it's like a cruise ship. Anybody ever been on a cruise before? Cruise. Nobody? Okay, cool. I love, Y'all love, like them? I love them. I love cruises. You get on that cruise boat, boy, unlimited food, unlimited entertainment, right? There's people working. They're there to serve you. And so, and, and it's fun. Like, I love it. You get to visit different places. But a lot of times what we've done is we've taken on the model of the cruise ship. We want to make sure that you come here, and it's like, everything's good, right? We're here to serve you. You know, I want to make sure you're doing okay. And there's very few people that are doing all the work to make sure that the majority feels comfortable, and they're having a good time, and they're enjoying the program. But the reality is Jesus, the movement of the church, was never meant to be that model, right? The cruise ship model. What it really was supposed to be like is like if we're going to stick to the boat thing, it's like more like a battleship. Say battleship. One thing about a battleship, anytime the battleship leaves the port that is docked at, it is on mission. They don't leave just to go cruise around the, the ocean, right? Anytime a battleship leaves, it's like, oh, we have a mission at hand. And the battleship is a ship of war. It has weapons. It has a whole armory on there, right? And listen, we know that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but principalities, rulers of darkness, right? Spiritual strongholds of wickedness and all, all these things. So when we leave port, when we literally get up out of the bed every single day, we should have the mindset of a battleship, not a cruise ship. We should be like, you know what? I have a purpose, and every single person on that battleship has a purpose. They all have jobs, and if one person doesn't do their job, everybody's life is in danger. From the janitor who cleans the floors to the guy who cooks the food is just as important as the man driving the ship and the guy, you know, uh, aiming the guns. Everybody's job is just as important, and this whole thing works together for the bigger mission. This is the model of the church that Jesus died for and established on this earth. It's not just a place to come and have fun in Jesus' name. My last point is it's a place to come and be equipped so that you and me can serve in our purpose on this earth. It is not a place just to come and hang out and meet people. The church is established so that we can make disciples that raise up other disciples, that raise up other disciples. And that if we can equip you to understand who you are in the kingdom, understand your gifts and your talents, and release you to push back the gates of hell in a sense, to release you to be the church every single day of your life, whether you're at your workplace, at your home, in your neighborhood, at church, like wherever you're at, that you are this minister of the gospel, that you carry the anointing of the king, that you're a royal priesthood, right, you're a city set upon a hill, that you are a powerhouse in a sense. Well, you know why you're so powerful? Because the spirit of God lives inside of you. The Bible says the same exact spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. That's pretty powerful where the identity problem lies is this we have linked church to a building we really have we've linked church to something that we come to on Sundays in that building or in this place and we've we've linked it to a program and a building the church isn't the building but it's the people that gather in the building buildings are not bad Right, just like cars are not bad. You need a car in Atlanta. If you don't have a car, you're going to be driving in somebody else's car, or you're going to be driving in a bus, which is going to get you to point A to point B. I ain't going to see nobody walking down to Stone Mountain. And if you do, you in shape. This is a real talk. For me to walk home from here, it'd probably take me two days. I don't know, maybe, I'm, maybe, maybe less. But I'm not walking. Somebody going to give me a ride. Uber, man, is going to give me a ride. But we have identified church as a building or a program that starts at 9, 10, 2, you name it, on Sundays or Wednesdays or whatever times that, that the church has started. When I say school, what do you think of? School. It's the first thing that you think of. You think of like, oh, man, I hated that thing. Homework. Good. Yeah, teachers, right? What time did school start? Quick. Nine, eight, seven, depending on where you grew up. There it is. Or what, what grade level you're in, right? And if you got kids in multiple grade levels, it's all of those. You got to get up at six to have somebody on the bus at seven. Somebody else gets on the bus at eight. Y'all know that life, right? Somebody else gets on the bus at nine. And when you think of school, you think of the building, the elementary school, the middle school, or the high school, or the college, they all have buildings, and they all start at certain times, and they'll have classes, they'll have teachers, right? So so we've identified school as a place that we go to in order to learn. That's not a wrong, necessarily a definition. But what is a bunch of fish gathered together? What does that mean? It's a school. So what if... We have, you know, catfished everybody with the definition of church as like the church is actually this building right here that we're in right now when really the church is just the gathering of the saints. So when I say school, the first thing you think of, your mind goes over to that building because we've trained ourselves to think of the the school as that way. And it's the same thing in 2019 when we say church. We've trained ourselves for so long to think of that place that we go to or the program that we go to. In reality, it's just the gathering of the people who follow Jesus. We are the church. Jesus identified the church as his people. For real, right? We're a chosen priest of a royal royal priest a chosen generation. So we got to understand that we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to him. We don't. And so we have to accept everybody who's a part of this this body, this family, because the church is a family, right? We've all been adopted. We've all been kind of grafted into this family through the blood of Jesus. And listen, check this out. The Bible says that we've been chosen, right? Even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to be a part of this family, to be a part of this church. Lily, you can run the track. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Galatians three twenty six. For you are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither nor Jew nor Greek. There's no slave no, nor free. There's no male, there's no female. For you are one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. One thing about an heir is you have to be in the bloodline. You have to be a son or a daughter of somebody, right? And one thing about heirs is that's where we get the word inherit from. Right, you have an inheritance from the family member who, when they pass away, you receive what was once theirs. All of a sudden, it automatically becomes yours. And so, one thing about the church that I want to just I'm gonna end with this is we have an inheritance from a king. Why? Because we're his sons and we're his daughters, and we're all one in him. And check this, check this out: we all have the same inheritance. All right? You might look at it like, man, I grew up poor, so I might get this much inheritance from him. No, you have the same access to the full inheritance. Nobody has, you know, 10% inheritance. The next person has 20% inheritance. No, you have 100% inheritance from your Father in heaven. A lot of us don't understand that, nor do we even believe that, so we don't access it. It'd be like this. If I handed you my debit card right now, and I gave you my PIN number, and you went and you took out $100, because that's really all you needed. But there was millions and millions and millions of dollars. I'm prophesying. There was millions of dollars in the bank. But because you don't know, you know what I mean? You don't access it. And so I think a lot of us as part of the church, we don't know how much we really can access as this body. Therefore, you know, we're, we're, we're part of the cruise ship and we got our feet kicked up and we got our drink with a little you know, umbrella in it. Yeah, I like those drinks. Something about that umbrella just makes you feel like you're on vacation. But there's a lot of people on vacation in the church when the Lord's saying, I need you to come off vacation and I need you to man your position. Right? So we need to know what is our position, what is our call, what is our gifting. And we need to be able to move in that. And then, and then when we're moving in our calling, right, God is something about that that unlocks the resources of heaven. It unlocks the kingdom. It unlocks the fullness of the inheritance that God is your father and he will make a way where there seems like there's no way. But we're not on vacation. We, this isn't a social club. Right? Even though I know we love each other, we love to hang out with each other, that's a good thing because we're family, but there's a bigger, greater mission. What is the greater mission? I'm gonna give it to you, you ready? To go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Period. To go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Some of us have been believing a lie of who we are, who you are, who he is. But today, the Lord wants us to take down these fake profiles out of our minds, change the way that we think. And he wants you to understand that you have access to him and his resources. Right? But you got to come with clean hands and a clean heart. Like real talk. I'm not saying you got to be perfect, because I'm not. Right? We all have things that we deal with. We all have, you know, sin and Secrets, let's just get real. We all have stuff. But the thing is to take that stuff and lay it at his feet. Because when we lay it at his feet and he forgives us, check this out. Doesn't mean we're, perf- we're perfect, but we're perfected through the blood. We're washed through the blood of Jesus. Then when the Father sees us, he sees us as holy. That's the gospel. Like we got to understand, this is the gospel. This is what Jesus God and established us for, for us to do. Like you could have a new life. None of us are perfect. None of us have it figured out. But let's seek the Lord together. Like let's figure this thing out together. Let's walk with each other. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's love each other no matter what. And so it's time to strip down the false identity, fakeness who we are, the fakeness of the church, and just be the real deal. Just be the real deal. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you, God, for your realness. I thank you, God, that even right now, as I'm praying, that you're making things whole. That we have access to the throne room. We have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Lord, I pray over every person's heart right now, God. Touch our hearts, Lord. Make us new. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive me in my sins. Just make that your prayer. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Jesus. I surrender everything at, the, at your feet, at the foot of the cross. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the body. Thank you, God, that we're there's an awakening happening in 2019, and your church is waking up from its slumber, and that we're going to become alive, and we're going to become this this movement of movements. And we're going to see an end time harvest greater, Lord, than even in Acts chapter 2. Because we're about you and you alone. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to week three of Catfish. Stay connected with us on Instagram and Facebook at Cross of the Church, A T L.